0: Hello, and welcome to the Living Word Pensacola podcast. Here you will find teaching from our weekly services where we focus on developing a Christ-centered life. We are delighted you have chosen to spend time with us today. And we know today's message has the power to help you grow with your faith journey. So let's turn our hearts and our minds to God's word as we begin today's episode. Well, good morning, Living Word. This is week six that we've been talking about prayer and um, probably the last week of prayer, sort of. So the last component, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of different things today, but the last major piece of prayer is talking about the Holy Spirit. But as I was preparing and praying about things, you can't fit the Holy Spirit into one service, I'm sorry. The person of the Holy Spirit is vast and throughout the entire scripture from old testament to new so we're going to actually this week we're going to conclude several different things now we could go on talking about prayer forever but we're going to kind of just wrap it up a little bit today, and then we're going to spend several weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to dive back into who He is as a person, what His role was in the Old Testament, and, and then we're going to continue and tie that into uh, the Spirit within, the Spirit upon. We're going to go back over some of that stuff we've already taught before, because it needs to be said again at a different level in a different way, and that's just what the Lord has for us next. But our, our golden scripture, our golden text for this particular series has been Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the sin with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So I hope that in this series, you guys have increased your prayer life and that you've seen a change in your prayer life. You've seen answers maybe that you haven't seen before. You've changed the way you pray because I was listening to Brother Hagin this week and he said something so very true, but some of us, we don't quite get it, right? So God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? I was just telling Mr. Jeff this yesterday. If we're praying and we're not seeing answers to our prayers, most people will think it's on the sending end. (laughs) Well, if God could just get it to me, you know? They kind of think of God like a dad sometimes, most people, and that's not necessarily wrong. He is our Abba Father, right? But most people think they come to God, right? Because all of a sudden, something happened in their life right? There's a massive change at work. And I run to God and say, God, did you know, right? And they, what do they expect? God to go, really? I had no idea. But that's what they think in their head. Like God is going to have this dramatic response when he's like, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've known the beginning from the end. I see the future the same as the past. And I'm not shocked and surprised by what's going on in your world. Nothing that happens to you is going to shock God, right? He already knew about it. The cool part is, and the thing that I think we really need to get a hold of and grasp is, is that when we go to God, he already has the answer. And he wanted to share the answer with us before we ever got there. But see, the problem when we are not seeing answers in prayer is it's never on the sending end. It's always on the receiving end. So if we're praying and not seeing answers, we need to go back and say, all right, are we praying right? Are we using the right prayer, or the right kind of prayer? Am I praying the prayer of consecration when I need to be praying the prayer of intercession or supplication? Am I doing this the right way? If there's something wrong, it's on me. He told this wonderful story of this lady that was sick. And Brother Hagin, they were there praying and his wife was praying and they were praying for And he was like, we were just all standing around praying. And as they were praying in the spirit, his wife said out, you need to go stand by her head and call out that spirit of fear. And so he did, he went and stood by the head of the lady and called out the spirit of fear and she was instantly healed. This whole time we were praying for healing, but what we needed to do was listen to what the Lord said to pray to get the answer we're looking for. There's times when we're praying and we think we know what we're praying, we're not seeing a result. That's when we step back and say, okay, God, how do I pray? What do I pray? You know, show me. And he'll show you things to come. He'll show you how to change your prayer life to see the results. Because times where, you know, we just kind of keep knocking on that door. We just kind of keep pushing. We kind of think we're doing something right. And God's saying, hey, are you going to listen to me when you pray? Because I have the answers that you're looking for. So our faith, as we know, Hebrews 11:6, 6, is giving substance to the 50 people we asked for right? Because that was our first big faith statement as a church. We're asking God to send 50 people, whether it's in Home Depot, Walmart, right? So, so Best Buy, right? Amen. We've got Best Buy covered. Check that one off the list. Not that we can't get more people out of Best Buy, but anyway, this week was really interesting. Daxel got me a shirt for Christmas and it says, husband, uh, father, pastor, hero on the shirt, well, I wore it on Saturday because Daxel and Kobe had their karate tests. And I wanted to wear my shirt that my son got me for Christmas to the karate to be like, go boys. And they both passed their test. And now they're orange belts. And, you know, maybe they kicked my butt some one of these days. <laughs> you know, I don't even know. I haven't tried fighting him yet. We'll see. I think I still got size on him though. And size matters at this point. I just wrap him up at a bear hug. But anyway, I forgot that he even had the shirt on. And I went about the rest of my day and I went by Walmart, went several places, ran some errands. I got stopped by more people. No one stopped me once and said, How many kids do you have? Nobody stopped me once and said, Can you fly or do you shoot lasers with your eyes? Because that hero on the bottom, I thought maybe they would ask if I could, nobody ever asked me that, right? Every single time. Where are you a pastor at? Where are you a pastor at? And I handed out a couple of business cards and I talked to several people and I'm like, why don't I wear this shirt more often? And I'm gonna wear this shirt every Saturday that I'm home or whatever, right? Our faith is giving substance to the people that we've asked for, but it requires something of us too, right? And we now asked for it, right? And now I'm in Home Depot or Walmart and someone says, where are your pastor at? I shouldn't be shocked that this is happening. I shouldn't be shocked. Why is everybody all of a sudden asking me all these questions? What's going on, you know? Well, we did pray, we did ask, and now we have to invite and we have to start witnessing to people, whether they're teenagers in the neighborhood or some some greeter at Walmart. It doesn't really matter We've now asked, we put our faith to it, but there's more to it than just that. We're not just going to sit back and just watch it all pour in. We still got something we're supposed to do with this. We're still supposed to spread, spread the love of Jesus, tell people about Jesus. There's action that's required with this because faith without works is dead. We've put our faith out there. Now let's do something with it. Let's put our hands to it. Let's be his hands and be his feet and take the love of Jesus out of this place, right? We take the love of Jesus out and we bring the people in easy enough now our prayer of supplication intercession we talked about a few weeks ago in first timothy 2 1 i exhort you first right so how many of you taken first time in your prayer life for this week to begin to pray for the leaders of our nation for god to be able to direct our nation the leaders of our country for the leaders of this church right said pray for your pastor pastor needs prayer and lots of it amen now i have some cautions before we start this week some things I wanna talk about in general. These are just some cautions and prayers. And I want to make sure to make a few things clear because I was listening back over to several weeks of the podcast and I wanted to just clarify a few things. First of all, you cannot change someone else's will through your prayers, okay? You can't pray to change someone else's will. Now, when you are supplicating for somebody, you can pray that God speaks to them and opens their heart to receive truth, right? but you can't pray someone else's will. This was a real big thing back when I was at Ramah because there was a whole movement of, they, they started calling it the Ramah Bridal Training Center, right, so all these women showed up to Ramah hoping to get husbands, and they would be like, that's a cute one, I claim him in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're making him fall in love with me, right? You can't pray, I know it seems silly, but back then they were convinced they could just name it, claim it. Right? I name that husband, I claim that husband, and he is mine, and he's sitting over there going, I do not want that as a wife, right? <laughs> you can't pray to change someone else's will. Nor can you pray something that's against the Bible. You can't just go in and say, uh, you know, Aiden's got a cute wife. I want to pray that she becomes my wife, right? Bible says, to covet not your neighbor's wife, right? You can't pray something that's against what's already written in the Word of God. Right, So your authority in prayer, even though the Bible says you shall have what you say, you have to also follow the rules that are also written in here, and you can't control somebody else's will. If you, if you could control somebody else's will, then I could just say everybody in this room needs to donate $100 today, pull out your wallets, you know. But that's not scriptural. The same as I could say everybody in this room today needs to get saved, you're just going to get saved. Can't do it. It's not, you can't control somebody's will like that okay? You can supplicate for somebody and you can pray over them and say, Father, I want you to open their eyes to hear what you have to share to them. That is truth that they hear your voice and your word and that they're guided and directed by you knowing that what he tells them is better than anything you could have told them in the first place, right? So you can't pray to change somebody's will. It's not scriptural. Now, when someone comes and says, will you come pray with me? You have to keep this in mind. You can't change their will. Your prayers will not outrank their prayers, okay? This is commonly used with people that are sick. I need you to come pray with me. I'm at the hospital, getting ready to have surgery. Okay, so you go in to pray with them, and you're asking them, well, what's wrong, right? And they're saying, well, you know, I've got this, this massive disease and they're going to have to cut out my intestine or whatever. I'm just making things up, right? So they're going to have to do this process and they got to cut all this out. And I said, so, okay, well, I'm just going to pray that you're healed and you don't even need surgery and that you're miraculously walking out of this place. And they're looking at you like, okay, but they're not in agreement with you. Their faith isn't on the same level as you, right? Because you never stopped to assess where they were. Because as you remember with the prayer of agreement, if two aren't in agreement, then you're not together in agreement. Nothing's going to happen right that's prayer of agreement right now as a pastor when someone is submitted to a pastoral level there's still some of those rules in place but I also have different levels of praying supplication different things because of authority structure similar to in a household now if covenant Axel have a problem I don't need to assess where their will is I have authority because they're still in my house they're still my children and I can speak over health over to them whether they're in agreement with me or not because I'm in charge I'm the highest authority in that house So know your authority, right? The highest authority in this body right here is my wife. She's the highest authority of my flesh, not spirit or soul, but my flesh. When my flesh is sick, her prayer life is the highest authority. Why? Because I have given myself to her in marriage to become one flesh. The highest authority in her body is me. When I don't take my place in prayer for her, then there's a problem or vice versa, because I have yielded myself to her. It's a picture of our relationship with God. When we yield ourselves to him, he becomes the highest authority in our life. And we get authority that comes with the kingdom. There's a picture that comes with the Bring the Bride of Christ. Anyway, that's for a whole other day, and I'm getting way far off my notes. But when you go to pray somebody, you need to assess where they are, because if you want the prayer of agreement to work, then you have to understand what they're asking God for to agree your faith with them to see results. If their faith is saying, I want the doctor to be very successful in this procedure and that I not die while I'm on the table, right, and that I don't have any lasting effects, you've now assessed their faith. You attach your faith to their faith faith and you'll see results now if you want to change where they're at then and i've seen this happen many many times where i've gone in with pastor or the pastor that i worked with and other situations where he would go okay that's great but wouldn't it be really cool if the doctor says i've never seen anybody recover this fast And then they're like, yeah, that's cool. Like Now you are taking their faith and you are building their faith and adding to their faith and then praying in agreement with them. And not only through that are they getting what they believe God for, they're getting more than what they believe God for and their faith in God grows through the whole process as well. So you're going in saying, yes, that's awesome but I could actually be a little bit better. And then watch the doctor come back in and say, man, people are normally hospitalized for weeks after this, and it's three days, and you're ready to go home, and I've never seen people heal this fast. And I've watched it time and time again, and I've seen this happen time and time again, where God will show himself faithful, and everyone's faith grows through this, including what? Your witness. That doctor saw what happened. That doctor's going, something's different here. Somebody knows how to pray here. The doctor saw, the nurse saw something different. Your your healing becomes a witness tool. What do you think happened with Jesus in the New Testament when we went about healing the sick? I read it again this week in John chapter 14, right? It was, he even said, if you don't even believe in me, you gotta believe the signs that are happening, the miracles that are happening. You watch the loaves of bread feed 5,000 people. You've seen the signs and wonders. If you're not even believing in me, you surely believe in the signs. Same thing. You might not believe that what I'm praying is true, but you watched what happened. You've seen the signs. Those signs are supposed to draw people back to Christ. God will do these things, not just for us, but for everyone else around, you'll find that. God likes to do things for you, but not just for you. He wants to use you as an example so that everyone else around can see the change, right? I've seen that in your life. You've seen change through experiencing a new, new God that like you've never seen before. And I've seen every last one of your kids, your sister, everyone else around you going, this is a different person. What's going on here? I don't understand this, right? They're being shown through your life the example of what God's doing in your life. And it's amazing because that's how God works. Yes, it's for us, but to be through us as well, okay? So your faith isn't necessarily going to be where their faith is. So you have to marry it together and pull it up a little bit. That's what I always tell everybody. Find their faith, help them grow a little bit. But sometimes it might mean you need to go in and show them some scriptures. You might need to walk in and, and Bible says, you'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That's a great scripture when you're in the hospital. You're gonna live and not die because what happens most people go in the hospital, they're freaking out thinking I'm gonna die. This is it and I'm not ready. That's what happens. Bible says you'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Why does it say that? Because when the miracle power of God comes in, it's going to be declared. He's going to use it as a testimony, right? You're telling of his faithfulness, of his goodness, and it's going to witness to Everyone else that's around there. Now, you attain where they are. Always, 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 when someone says, hey, will you come pray with me? You should pray long before you ever talk to them on the way to meeting them, on the way to the hospital, on the way to whatever, you're praying on the inside saying, God, tell me what to say. Give me the words to say. Give me the, how, how do I need to handle this situation? How do I need to go in and assess certain things? And I've seen that happen time and time again. I, I remember back uh, in Illinois, and actually was just listening to Pastor Doug tell this story. Uh, he got called into a situation in Champaign. He, it was a friend of a friend. Somebody that he knew, knew this other kid, who got hit on a motorcycle and was almost dead and in the hospital, completely, I mean, gone, right? And as pastor, he was called in the situation. As he's walking in, the nurses and staff that were there were like, hey, don't give them hope. He's probably going to die. And the worst thing you could do is just to build up this hope and then all of a sudden he dies, right? And pastor's all, okay, I understand where the nurses are, but that's not where God is because he had prayed on the way to Champagne, and the Lord told him he's gonna live and not die. So he went in and started talking to the family. Now, the kid's in a coma. Kid's in a coma. So, right, so he is now at the point where he can't agree with anything that changes the authority level a little bit. They're, they're gone at this point. So now it's the family. And he says, do you believe that the Lord wants to heal him and bring him back? And they said, yes, we believe. And he says, okay, that's all I need. I just need your, I need your faith at this point. Hook up in faith with me. And he begins to pray over the young man, and he begins to speak to him. And he literally stirs and talks in a coma. And within three weeks is up out of the coma and is now the drummer in his church there in Champaign. Born again, saved the whole family, watched the miraculous power working God come in and literally raise him out of a coma from his deathbed. It's a phenomenal story. It's a phenomenal story. Hopefully when Pastor Doug visits one of these days, he can share that story in person of exactly what happened. But it was a really, really fascinating story. So when you are called into a situation, you need to pray. Say, God, well, how, well, how am I supposed to handle this? What's the word of the Lord going into this situation? Show me, guide me, give me your words, give me your steps, right? There are times, and I've had this happen many times, where I'll spend time praying on my way to the hospital and literally just the fact that I took the time to get in the presence of God, I was able to carry that peace, right? The peace of God that passes all understanding. I was able to carry that peace and presence of God into the room itself and watch everybody just take a breath. Because sometimes you get in those situations and the tension's high and the stress is high and everything's high and you're able to literally just carry in the peace of God and bring a peace in and it's, it's actually scientifically proven. I worked in a hospital for a long time but a person who goes into surgery with not stressing out about everything but actually goes in fairly relaxed has a higher recovery rate. Those people that stay with less stress after surgery recover quicker than those people that are worried and anxious about everything. That, you know. So there's times where God will just use you to bring peace into a situation because it's better in the long run for their healing. Now, all right, I've <laughs> been going a lot. Always pray before you go. Always pray before you go. If someone calls you on the phone, you'll be like, let's pray together, right? And you're assessing the situation. Now, the word of the Lord that you get when you pray before you go in could be the foundation of faith that's needed to see the miracle that's happening in the, in the room, all right? So you gotta figure out where they are. You gotta show them scriptures, You gotta be able to assess their faith and help their faith grow to a point to where they get what they need to get from God, okay? Now, there are times where you have to watch somebody, and this is, this is something that will come in time, but when you're going to begin to pray with somebody or you're witnessing to somebody, same thing happens, where you realize, I'm starting to lose them a little bit. I'm starting to get above them a little bit, and you've got to start backing back off and going, okay, I've done enough for today or I've prayed enough for today, right? Because it can be overwhelming where you're coming in with the level of faith that you're at, and it creates more stress than it creates peace. So you've got to know that too. If I just need to come in today, I don't need to see some miraculous, I'm not going to be laying hands on you watching you raise up out of the bed. I just need to come in and give you a hug. And sometimes that hug is just all they needed. They just needed the, some, to know that somebody's there, somebody's praying. That reassurance and that hug can be more powerful than anything else that you have to offer, which is why it's important to know when you go in, what's the Lord saying? What's the Lord leading me to on the inside? And remember, God will give you words. He will show you things to come right? But what does it say? That tends to lead over into prophetic. When you're carrying a word of Lord into a situation, what does the Bible say about prophecy? It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy, right? But remember what prophecy is, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Does it edify this person, right? Does it exhort them and lift them up? Does it bring them comfort and peace, because words from the Lord will do just that. They'll do just that. And if it's not one of those things, then it's not prophecy. It's not. There, there was a whole movement that happened in the early 2000s, late 90s, so on and so forth, with all these prophetic words of, you know, death and destruction, basically. And it's not prophecy. It's not how God operates. And they get into the Old Testament and think they just need to bring the warnings from God or whatever. God, when a prophetic word comes out, the Bible has taught us, that it will edify, it will exhort, and it will comfort. Right? Now, is there correction that comes in prophecy? At times. But correction done right will edify, exhort, and comfort, not tear you down. If you feel torn up and shredded, then I don't know that it's necessarily prophecy because it doesn't line up with what it read in the Bible. Okay? So when you're bringing the word of the Lord in this situation, I know I'm getting a little bit off, but when you're bringing the word of the Lord in the summer, it's gotta edify, exhort, and comfort. That's what it is. It should ultimately bring those things. Now, you have, and what's been given to you over the last several weeks, is a whole toolkit of prayer. That's why you kind of have to look at it that way. I've got this whole toolkit. But there's times where you get into your prayer life and you realize, I have an arsenal, okay? We have this whole arsenal of availability to pray, and we, we pray, and we put our faith out there, whatever prayer form it is, right, whether we're praying supplication or intercession, and we pray this, especially the prayer of consecration where we're submitting our will to the Lord, and we feel like, all right, so we know we've put that out there, but there's still not peace in here and we're struggling, going, okay, I know I prayed the prayer of faith, I know what the scriptures are, I know what the scriptures say, I know that I'm doing the right thing, and I know from God that I'm speaking the right prayer, but yet I still just, I'm, I'm like struggling, right? I, I, there's this, this tension on the inside, there's this, I know I'm doing this right thing, but it's not quite complete, is because most people forget what I call the seal of prayer, okay, the completion to this is that God wants us to enter into his rest, right? He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if we are praying for something and we're feeling this massive burden, this massive whatever, we've not completed what he's asked us to do. We've not, what some old timers used to call, pray through, right? Now, I have found in my life, because of the callings in my life, The scripture that it says in Ephesians 5.17, which is up there, Dave. Therefore, do not be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship and praise will help push you through into a place of rest. It is, the, it is the final ingredient I see sometimes to where I've prayed the prayer of faith, I'm standing in faith, and now I just need to worship. Now, there's a reason for this, right? Right? Have you ever had, um, uh, in youth ministry, there was oftentimes we would deal with kids that are in stressful situations, that are in high tense situations, or you just have to deal with somebody that's having a nervous breakdown or a panic. We had this happen in the hospital a lot uh, where people are coming in and they're just in a high state of distress, right? where you just need to bring calm. You need to get them to a point because when they're in that state of complete chaos, they're not listening to what you say. They're not hearing anything that you have to hear. There's just this mess that's going on, right? But you do everything you can to get them to completely calm down. You work on changing their breathing. You're changing what ultimately are you changing? Their focus, what they're thinking about, what they're focused on, okay? What does worship do? Worship takes all of that and brings your focus to God. This is my focus is God. I'm gonna worship Him and Him alone. I'm gonna focus on Him and Him alone. Because too many times when we step out in prayer, we get our eyes on the problem and not on the solution. We get our eyes on the issue, right, and not on the fixer of issues. We get our eyes on the sickness and not the healer. Worship hones all of that, gets rid of the distractions, the problems, the issues, and focuses on God, is bigger than any problem, is the healer of all sickness and disease, is the restorer of my soul, who brings ultimately peace, right? That's what worship does. Worship focuses us on him, ultimately casting our cares on him, taking our mind off all of this stuff, getting our spirit man focused and allowing God to be the answer. That's what entering into rest looks like. I'm gonna enter into a place where I just know that I know and you cannot convince me likewise. I know that God's got this. God's got this. I've now put it in his hands and I'm gonna let him bring the solution to this. Okay? Now it says giving thanks making melody in your heart to the Lord. If your worship is all about you, then it's not worship. You're still in the point of consecration. And that's a, there's nothing wrong with that. There's songs that are all about consecration. I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna focus my life on you. A lot of our, like the first song that we did tonight was that way. It was talking about consecrating my life to God, right? But by the time we got to the last song that you noticed today, this was all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the name above Right, what are we doing? We're only thinking about him. We've laid down everything else. We're thinking about Jesus, okay? Your prayer life should involve worship. I don't, now, listen carefully. I didn't say your prayer life should involve wonderful singing. I didn't say your prayer life should involve perfect music playing of instruments. I didn't say your prayer life should have the chorus of angels that is in perfect harmony, right? No, it says it should involve singing or the rocks will cry out, right? God doesn't listen to you and go, oh man, can't sing. You heard this person? Woo, Holy Spirit, get over here and listen to this. This guy really can't sing, right? That's not God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. That is not him. Why? Because what is he hearing? Our worship is sweet-smelling incense. Our worship and praise goes up like perfume in his nostrils. And he goes, that's my son. He's worshiping me. He's glorifying me. That's what worship really is. That's what worship really does. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says this. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays and my understanding is unfruitful. So what is the conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing in the understanding. See here how he connects prayer and singing, worshiping, together they're tied together they're tied together you should have worship as a part of your prayer life there should be times where you pray through to a point of worship and you've given it all to God and you've committed to him and you've entered into rest you've entered a point where I'm just going to focus on you I'm not even asking for things anymore I'm not I'm just I am just with you present in your presence at your feet in your throne room in the presence of God thinking about nothing else That's that place that we enter into. In uh, Colossians 3.16, it says this, let the word of Christ dwell. What does that word dwell mean? It means it's gonna stay with you. It's gonna stick with you. It's gonna linger, right? Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what it is. Now, Trying to produce this worship in the spirit, but trying to produce it in the natural will wear you out. If you're trying to produce this in your prayer life and you just leave exhausted, you didn't do it from the spirit, you're trying to do it from the natural man. There's times where we go into natural worship where we're just, we're trying to sing and we're trying to naturally produce something and we just leave tired and exhausted, you're doing the wrong area. Instead of doing it in a spiritual area, you're doing it in a natural area, right? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord. That word wait means bind together by twisting, to tarry, to look patiently upon. That's what that word wait means. You should be in his presence and there should be this slow slow binding together of you and the Holy Spirit, you and the Father. That you're tarrying in his presence. You're lingering in his presence. Because if you wait on the Lord, it says, you shall renew your strength. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, thus says, Lord God Almighty, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Right? Sometimes we think, well, if I could just get loud enough or I can get brazen enough or I can just get bold enough. What are you trying to do? Trying to defeat the devil in your own strength. Mm -hmm. I don't care how loud you shout. I don't care how loud you scream at the devil. I don't care how loud you get and aggressive in prayer, right? There's times where I've been in prayer and it's come out loud, mostly with boldness and authority. But how many of you met that person that just thinks if I pray louder, I'm more spiritual, right? We all know somebody like that or just thinks if they pray louder, they're more spiritual and I'm just going to scream out my prayers, right? When God's saying, wait on the Lord and you shall renew your strength because in returning and rest, you'll be saved in quietness and confidence, in quietness and confidence. Someone who just knows. Have you ever met somebody or you've been in a situation where you just knew the answer? You didn't have to be loud. You don't have to be aggressive about it. You just know, That's kind of how I took sales. Now for a long time I was a manager of a cell phone store out in California. And it was a great little place, you know, and I became, became the manager and had other salespeople around, you know, and they would challenge me. There was one Saturday they were like, we don't think you know how to sell anymore, you know, and you're just no good at this. And I'm like, okay, well, whoever wants to work Saturday, I'm going to start selling. And they'd be like, what? Yeah, I'm going to come in and sell. We'll see who sells all in one day. And I said, well, rotate. Every customer comes to the door, goes to a different person. I said, so you, one customer comes in, you get a next customer comes in. We'll go on the rotation. So everybody gets an even number of customers, right? And I outsold them four to one. Because that's how I realized that this is my personality. I, and I went to God because I had a problem with some slick salesmen, right? You ever met one of those guys? And, and uh, fortunately, they get associated with used cars a lot, right? The used car salesman had real bad stigma for a long time, just kind of slick and greasy. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't feel like I need all this. What's an undercarriage coat? You know, all those different things they're trying to sell you, trying to, you know, slick oil salesman back in the day, you know, that was never that way. I was just like, tell me what's going on. All right. Well, I think you need this. When you know something and you're confident of what you know, there's a quiet assurance to what you know. I don't have to be loud about it, right? If I come to Jeff and I say, I have a transmission problem, Jeff would be like, okay, well, let's just tear this apart. He doesn't get worried about it. Doesn't get stressed about it. Doesn't freak out about it. When it all falls apart on the table, he's not panicking or stressing out. He goes, it's fine. Why? Because he has a confidence in his skill and ability. He knows I could put this back together and we're good. There's no panic. There's no stress. When you're confident in the Lord, there's no panic or stress. You're like, I know God's got this, and I know what the solution is going to be. There's a quiet confidence that comes from the times where you've waited on him, right? See, now Jeff doesn't know what he knows about transmissions just because he just knew it. That came through study. It came through education. It came through, I've done hundreds of these. I've done tons of these. I know this. I know, I got this. You can't expect to have a quiet confidence in things of the Lord Unless you've been in his presence every day. You've been studying his word every day. You've been talking to him every day. And you build that relationship with him where you're waiting on him. That word wait on the Lord literally means like a server coming to your table. What can I get you? What do you need today? Right? How many of you times have you ever gone out to eat where the servers walked up and said, you're going to have water and you're going to have Diet Coke and this is what you're ordering. And they just bring you food out to the table and they ask you no questions. and be, Here you go. Right? But people do that to God. Mm. Wow. All right, Lord, here's this. Here's this. I expect my day blessed and I'm moving on. Wow. Instead of showing up and saying, okay, God, what do you want? Well, how can I pray today? You tell me what to pray. I'm waiting on you. I'm just here in your presence. I'm just so I'm so excited to be here. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm so happy to be here, Lord. I'm just so glad you could be I, you're just here today. I just love you. I just care about you so much. Can I get you something, some water, whatever? Can I wash your feet? Can I wash your feet with the tears because I'm just so full of joy and compassion and, and grace and mercy. I'm just amazed that you saved my life. You kept me from destruction. You've given me kids. You've blessed me with this life. You've cared about me so much. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be here. I, just, I sit over here in a corner, quiet. Just, I just want to listen. I just want to be in the throne room. I just want to hang out. That's what my worship time feels like sometimes. I just want to be, I just want to be wherever he is. I just want to be wherever God is. You know what that's also like? When I first started dating this lady here, I just want to be wherever she was. She was cute. I, I was infatuated, man. I wanted nothing more to talk about. Man, your eyes shine like, you can kind of read this in Song of Solomon because he was smitten this way too. Your eyes are like pearls in the darkness. <laughs> your hair flows like goats down a mountain or something. I read that once <laughs> That must have worked back in the day, but I don't know that will work in 2024. If I said to my girl, "Your hair's like goats flowing down a mountain," I'm not quite sure that has the same effect as it did back then. But that same atmosphere, that same thing, is the same. I'm gonna go wait on the Lord. Lord, you're, you're beautiful. I love you so much. I just want to be in your presence. I want to be where you are. I don't want to live a day without you. I remember that sitting in the car talking till two or three in the morning because we still want to be separate. we weren't married yet so we weren't living together we just wanted to be together right that anxious anticipation that's that same thing with our our groom we're the bride of christ it's that same anxious anticipation it says you shall mount up with wings like eagles i love eagles they're fantastic birds they really are they have a huge wingspan and their eyesight, eagles have five times the eyesight of humans. They can actually see things five times further away than we can. Their, their eyesight is a completely amazing. So while they're soaring, they're watching the scurrying little animals. And when they come down and they grab something, their compression, their grip strength is like 400 PSI is their grip strength of their claws. It's amazing, amazing their grip strength, right? But recently, I, uh, I saw a flock of geese. You ever seen geese? You know, they're loud, kind of obnoxious, right? And what do they do? You know, it's interesting how God made them. They fly in this V formation, right? And the guy up front's just flapping and flapping and doing his thing, you know. All of a sudden, he's like, man, I'm getting tired. Why am I carrying all the weight? You know, next! And he rotates to the back. Someone else comes up there, and they're flapping, you know? I know a lot of Christians that way. They're just trying to do things in the presence of God and they're just flapping and flapping, right? When God's saying, I didn't make you to be a goose. I made you to be an eagle because eagles catch the high winds. They don't actually even flap. They begin to soar and they're catching the trade winds up there so far and they're just gliding with full of majesty in his presence, with his presence under their wings, taking them to new heights with little to no effort. They're just up there with God, soaring. I'll mount up with wings like eagles. God says being in my presence and operating in my things isn't something you have to terribly work at. It's something that when you understand the concept thereof, you begin to go to newer heights, and you can see further down. Your vision becomes more. There's a reason why eagles have the vision. He compares this to eagles. God says, I want to show you further out. I want to give you better spiritual visions. You can see things to come. You'll know crossroads and decisions that have to be made before you ever have to make the decision. I want to show you things to come. You should never reach a crossroad where you're going, I don't know what to do. God, tell me what to do. He's been trying to tell you before you ever got there. And if you get there and you don't know what to do, it's because you weren't listening because he was trying to tell you things to come. But see, we get in too much of a hurry, too much like a goose, honking away, making a bunch of noise, trying to work together with other geese to get where we're going and spending a whole lot of effort. And said, God says, I want to make you like an eagle who is a hunter, who can see things, right? Doesn't require a lot of effort says, you shall run and not be weary. That word run means to make haste, to move with speed without losing your breath. You know, I don't have that much in the natural right now. Had to, had to run to catch somebody the other day and got there and went, Gonna need a minute. I'm okay, I really am. I'm living, not I'm dying, declare the works of the Lord. You know, you know. But how many times in spiritual things, We feel like we just can't catch our breath. We just can't catch our breath. I'm just trying to pray. I'm trying to do this. And he's saying, you're going to run and not be weary. That's your spiritual life too. Have you ever entered to a point where you're like, oh, I just got to press in and pray. And you're like, oh man, that was a really good 15 minutes. And you look down, it's been three hours. That's the run and not weary in your prayer life. Where time in the presence of God carries distance. Then it says you'll walk and you'll not faint. And I thought, okay, well, if I can run and not be weary, then walking and not fainting should seem pretty easy. But you know what that word walk means? It actually means to carry and to bear. There's things that we're supposed to bear in this world, but not under load, not under faint. Remember, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's things we're supposed to carry and produce, but it's going to be easy. Why? Because we waited on the Lord, we're not a goose doing it under our own strength. We're eagles. We're soaring. We're able to carry and produce things for the kingdom without strain and stress on us. Worship is this process of waiting on the Lord. It's tied into this. It will bring rest and peace it will help you enter into that place where you can wait on the lord and bring the answer in acts chapter 16 verse 25 it says this at midnight paul and silas were praying and lamenting no no it doesn't say that they were praying and they were singing what happens they prayed and said god we're in jail we're in chains we're in trouble we're just going to sing hymns to god Right? Can you imagine being in that? Now, it says it was completely dark because when the jailer came in after they were set free, he didn't even know who was still there. He thought everybody was gone. So there's no lights in this jail. They're completely underground, it's completely pitch black. So here you are, a prisoner, and these two other guys get hauled in and get shackled up, and you're thinking, ah, welcome to the misery. This is the dungeon where we all go to die, right? And all of a sudden, you hear this God thank you we're in this place and you know that we're here we ask you to set us free right and you're going yeah right you you should have bribed the jailer on your way in right if you'd have given him maybe maybe brought you some food still probably wouldn't be free but maybe you got a candle or something you're not sitting in darkness Mm -hmm. complete darkness ever sat in complete darkness with no source of light whatsoever it's disconcerting Mm -hmm. when you can't have a perspective when you don't understand that there's something there not being able to see and being in complete darkness does something to your soul. There's a reason why jails were that way. It wears people down. It's part of torture nowadays when they get into the rooms where they take away all of the, you can't hear anything, no, there's no sound, nothing carries, there's just complete silence with complete darkness. It's no fun. What do they begin to do? They begin to praise, right? Right? How great is our God, sing with me. That's what Paul and Silas were singing, by the way. If you didn't know that, that's what I read when I read in the Bible. How great is our God. That's where that was written. Sing with me, how great. And everybody in jail is going, what is wrong with these two people? Right? Because it says, and they all listen to them. Right, This is what goes on in Pastor Paul's head when I read the scripture, by the way. Welcome to my brain. Right? How great is our God. Because they did a key change in there. That helps move things in the spirit. Just like, sing with me. How great. And probably told everybody, key change, here we go. To the fork is our God. we will see how great. But what happened? They're not able to praise unless they know the answer's on its way. When you enter into a point of praise, You've given it to God. You've entered into his rest. You know that he's got a solution to the problem. You know that the answer is on its way. Were they still in prison? Yes. Were they still in chains? Yes. Did they start praising after the earthquake and the chains fell off? No. When you enter into that point of praise, you've entered into the point of, I know that I know that I know. That I know that I know. And if you walk up to me today and say, Pastor Paul, are you worried about fit? Are we gonna get 50 people? But I mean, come on, August is coming up soon and we're gonna be on the year. And you said by a year we're gonna have all these people. And is this something you think about all the time? And you were you worried and stressed about this? Is I mean, are you trying to go, are you wearing your pastor's shirt to Walmart just so people <laughs> ask you questions? No. I ain't stressed. I'm not worried about it. I even forgot I had a shirt on. Right? I'm not at home going, oh, Lord, I said it from the pulpit. I'm going to look like a fool if you don't come through, God. Oh, God. But how many people do that? What does that mean? No. Matter of fact, this week in my truck, I had some of the best times in praise and worship. I was just singing and crying out to God. By crying, I mean literally like tears coming down my face with just such joy. Because I know God is the one who's going to do what he told us to pray for. Not me. Guess what? When those 50 people show up, it's not because Pastor Paul did anything special. It's because God moved because we asked him to. It's not me. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't draw men to Christ. That's his job. Not my job. That's his job. I'm not out there trying to do somebody else's job. You know, Paul said that. Paul said in the New Testament, actually it's in 1 Corinthians, I just read it this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, right? He says, I don't even know which one of you baptized. He said, I think I baptized this family, but I actually came and preached the word because it's not my job to baptize, it was my job to bring the word. He says it in 1 Corinthians 1, boy, that's freedom. It's not my job to go out and convict him, that's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm just doing my job. I'm in here preaching the word and doing what God said to do, and we're here, the doors are open, the lights are on, Father, we're ready. We're ready. We've done our job right we're gathering together we're producing worship and man the worship was good this morning it was good getting the presence of power of God I'm not worried about it one bit right not worried about one bit because God's faithful he's true to his word and he will perform it and when it happens we will just sit back and go God is good right if you sit back and go wow Pastor Paul then you're looking at the wrong thing <laughs> Don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in God. I'm not the one making it happen. I'm just the one doing Okay, God, you said to ask. We ask. Now we're thinking. And we're gonna worship and just be in your presence, right? But that's what it was like with Paul and Silas. And suddenly, I love the suddenly things of God, right? Suddenly. I said, Lord, is it going to be a suddenly we're going to show up and it'll be 50 people coming all in one service? Because that would be a suddenly. And I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. It was a suddenly this morning. Everybody's here and we're in the power of presence of God. Now we suddenly need a bigger building. Right. <laughs> There's another suddenly in the things of God. Right. But suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately the doors were open and every not just Paul and Silas everyone's chains were loose. When you get in the power presence of God and when you worship it in, that miracle working power of God is for everyone that's around you and guess what? They got saved, their families got saved, the jailer got saved, his family got saved and the miracle was performed, the people were set free, Paul and Silas were set free to proclaim the gospel because ultimately what does God care about more than anything else is people get set free. So what kind of worship are you having? Now, don't you love things of God? And I love how this works. There are times where God will lead us to do something and we don't even quite understand it. Ever been in that situation? where, are like, well, I did it. And then you're looking back afterwards going, oh God, that was cool. I didn't even know that I was doing scripture. And now I just read this scripture. And then you showed me how I did the scripture and I didn't even know the scripture. Like I'm just gonna obey you and you're giving me the revelation afterwards. I love it. I love it. When Daxa was little, we, uh, we had a new babysitter come over to the house, Miss Rihanna, who Coben instantly fell in love with. And when Miss Rihanna went to get married to Mr. Josh at their rehearsal dinner, Josh went up and said, hi, Coben, how you doing? Rihanna's going to be my wife tomorrow. And Coben slapped him in the face and ran off crying because Josh was stealing the girl that he loved. Kid you not. And now he's the pastor. He's the Josh I've been telling you about up north playing the guitar. That's them. And he, they were their ring bearers and they came down. But anyway, Coben was in love with Miss Rihanna. He had a thing for Miss Rihanna. And when Pastor Josh stole her way, he slapped him in the face and cried. And it was a whole thing. Pastor Josh was so gracious about it. It was, it was great. But Rihanna came over to our house to babysit, right? And we had hamsters. We had hamsters. We had hamsters. One time, hamster got out, went under the stove. Dad's having to pull the whole stove out to get this stinking hamster. Oh, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) These hamsters. Midnight was one of them. What was the other one? beaver alpha and midnight we had these hamsters. so so daxel being the youngest was so proud of these hamsters in the little cage so miss rihanna got there and he had scooted two of we had tall we had a tall counter like a bar height kitchen table and so we had the really tall chairs and he had scooted the chairs over and he had crawled up he was little crawled up on the chairs to show miss rihanna these hamsters and immediately the chair split and daxel fell through the chairs and hit the back of his head on the bottom rung of the chair where you put your feet and instantly went into convulsions and I just stepped in and said, in Jesus' name, we're not gonna have this. And he came right out of it and everything was kind of good. And Ms. like, was like, because uh, we're getting ready to leave. I'm like, he's fine, we're good. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, he's good and he's fine. You know, just keep an eye on him. Don't let him go to sleep for the next couple hours. If he has signs of concussion, just let me know, but he was good. That was the first time. Second time, he loved Miss Claire. Now, Miss Claire is the wedding that we're going home to. That's in, in April, we'll be gone for a weekend. Um, and it's for Miss Claire's getting married but she came over she lived with us several summers she was like their sister and she lo- he loved Miss Claire they just loved Miss Claire and her sister's name's Clarissa love Miss Clarissa right and it was Clarissa wasn't it yeah it was Miss Clarissa now Miss Clarissa invited a friend to church that night now our church up in Illinois is this massive footprint and it's just a concrete slab with glued down carpet right Have you ever landed on concrete slab and glued down carpet? The carpet doesn't do much. It's pretty much just concrete. It's just hard, right? Well, Clarissa had Coben and was holding Coben. And the friend picked up Daxel, but Daxel didn't want anything to do with the friend because he didn't know the friend. He wanted Miss Clarissa. So he proceeded to jump out of this girl's arms towards Clarissa, who was holding Coben and couldn't do anything. And Daxel fell to the floor and hit his head in the church, immediately going into convulsions again this time didn't come out of it I went over and I grabbed him I told Tiffany I said you're driving we're going to the hospital and we're going now and I held him in my arms that whole drive back to the hospital right and I prayed and said God your word says your word says what am I doing prayer faith right I'm taking authority this is my son prayer faith at the time did I understand everything was going on nope I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit your word says we were going to the emergency room they said well okay We immediately need to go in for a CAT scan, right? But they said, little kids are hard with CAT scans. We need to maybe strap him down. I said, nope, he's going to be fine. Let's go in. Can I go in with him? And they said, yeah, you can go in with him. And I remember taking him in and lying him down in this CAT scan. And I started singing. Right? Thank you, Jesus. You set me free. And as soon as I started singing, he fell asleep. Laid there perfectly still whole CAT scan, whole, there was a crowd of people in the scanning room watching me sing to my son in the CAT scan room and they're all standing back going, we've never seen anything like, and I worked, I worked, this is the hospital I worked at, they're standing back going, I've never seen anything like this before but what had actually happened, see now, when I was preparing for the message this week, the Lord took me back to that story and God said, when you were driving there, you asked, when you got there and began to sing, it became settled in your heart and you received the miracle of healing that you needed, we've never had a problem There's no lasting effects. He's smart as a whip. He's handsome. He's had no brain issues. He played football. There's no lasting damage, but he literally hit his head hard enough that he was seizing and convulsing. It was bad. And the Lord walked me through it and said, this is what you did. You prayed, and then you entered into rest and began to worship. And not only that, it led to several other people in the hospital going, I want to know more about this, Jesus. I want to know more about this it became a witness, it became a strength, that's what this looks like, where you know that you've prayed, you know that you've asked, and now you're just settled. That settled peace comes in the inside, and you begin to worship him. You begin to glorify him. This happened in 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament too. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 1, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Okay? John, verse 5 says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah. In other words, he went into the church, got all the people there, right? And in the house of the Lord before the new court. Jumping all the way to verse 14. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehoshaphat. Okay? So now we get in the word of the Lord for the Old Testament. Son of Zachariah, son of Benaah. He's listing off all his parents' names, right? In the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and said this, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord. What are they getting? They're getting word for their faith. Now we have the word of the Lord. What does that do? That generates faith. We can now trust in the word of the Lord. Listen, thus said the Lord. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude there's no fear for the battle is not yours but God's what is he basically saying you don't have to fight this I'm going to fight this they now have the word of the Lord saying he's taking care of it okay verse 17 says you will not need to fight them he says it again a second time how many times has God had to tell you something more than once and you're like okay I got it I won't need to fight him the battle is not mine but it is the Lord's I got this position yourselves stand still and see the salvation of the lord who is with you o judah of jerusalem do not fear or be dismayed had to say that twice too people get into fear tomorrow go out against them for the lord is with you that's what god said okay what did god say don't be afraid twice and two different times the battle's not yours you don't have to fight it god is going to fight your battle So now they have, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, because he knew fear is trying to come in. And two times, God's got this, God's got this. Now they've got faith, okay? Did God give him any other instructions? No, that's what he told them. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord and worshiped the Lord. What happened? It got settled in them. They didn't have fear. They knew God had this. They began to worship him. It settled in the people. Did God say, okay, now start worshiping me? No. But it was a result of entering into a place of knowing God's got this. God's got this. Verse 20, they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said this, okay? Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. to Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And then he consulted with his people and he appointed those who should go and sing. You know, there are sometimes when you've worshipped the night before and you knew the victory was there, that you have to stay in a place of worship to not allow yourself to go back into the fear and doubt that you were in before. He realized we're now, we were in the church and we had church right and we worship God and we got a word of the Lord the man stood up and prophesied and told us what God was going to do and then we worship and they're all sitting around going man wasn't that a good service wasn't that a powerful worship service and we were in the presence of God just like we're all going to leave today and go man wasn't worship good this morning we were in the presence of God but what happens you walk out the door back in the world And before when you were in the church with your company of people and the Lord said, fear not, you're like, okay, I ain't afraid. I ain't scared. I ain't scared nothing. But then you gotta walk out the door. And what has the first thing that happens? That fear tries to come back. See, Jehoshaphat recognized this. He recognized this fear is going to try to come back against the people. So what am I going to do? I'm going to appoint those who are going to continue that atmosphere of worship of singing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Right? And they began to sing and praise to the Lord and and all of a sudden when they did that, when they stayed in an atmosphere of praise, when they went out to see the people that were out there coming against them, singing, praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord. Right? They're just out there singing and worshiping and God destroyed the enemy. He destroyed the enemy. There are times in our life where we've prayed, we've worshiped and entered a state of rest and we just need to continue in worship as we're walking it out and watch God move on your behalf, right? Do you know this happens in corporate prayer too? So now we've talked about this. This is your personal life. This whole time we've been talking about you can do this at home. You can pray and be in your quiet time, but what happens? You eventually have to come out of the closet and go to work, right? And how many times when you go to work, you know, well, I'm coming to work bringing worship in Jesus. Other people are coming to work bringing problems, issues, and devils, right? And I'm not in my prayer closet anymore. I'm not in the church building anymore. I'm now out in the world and there's all this negativity, there's all this junk, there's all this garbage, right? We need to learn how to make ministering to the Lord our personal walk and carry that with us. Remember we talked about carrying the peace of God into the hospital room? You can carry that piece of God into your workplace. I remember when I took the job at the hospital, the word of Lord that I had for starting the job because the job paid less than my unemployment was gonna pay. And people got all mad. Oh, how did you get in to do this? And I just can't believe that you would have to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't believe I had to do this? I took a pay cut to come here. I am making less money than I have in my entire life to start working here. And I'm only doing this because God told me to. That's what I wanted to tell him. But you know, there's times you want to tell somebody something and you just got to have, you got the voice of Jeff in your head going, don't say that. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. Don't say that. You got to be Jeff to pull that off. (laughs) Right? You can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. It's gotten bad, Dave. It's gotten bad. The other day, I heard my wife say something and said, you sound like Jeff. Lord have mercy. It was good. It was good. I couldn't tell you the number of times to walk in the hospital and be like, I just wanted to tell you what's for, man. I took a paycheck to come here, but I'm here because God told me to come here. And you know what God told me when I started working at the hospital? I want you to go in 30 minutes early before every shift and walk around the hospital praying. Right? Well, after about day 20 and realizing who worked in the hospital, I kind of felt like it was Old Testament, hoping the walls would just fall down and become the promised land, right? Then I realized, okay, God's not going to knock the walls down. That's not what he told me to walk around and pray for, right? But what was coming down? Spiritual walls, spiritual strongholds, where other people had yielded to the wrong thing. You ever been in a hospital? There are some hospitals you walk into and you're like, I just feel the presence of death in this place. It's bad. Like, how do people ever recover and heal while in this kind of atmosphere? Not all hospitals are that way. Not all of them are that way. There's a lot of them that have great believers in it, and I found wonderful Christians that end up working in the medical field. There's a lot of wonderful, born-again, spiritual Christians that are working in the medical field, trying to bring the peace of God in with the medicine of man to see people healing and restored so they live long enough to give glory to God, right? But there's some places that are not that way. I drove an ambulance for a while. The back of an ambulance, that spirit of death like to hang out there. Try to take people out. Anywho, you have to realize, you know, I had the word of the Lord to go into that job and to begin to pray and walk around that place to take authority over things. I'm not here because you're paying me a whole bunch of money. I'm not here because somebody pulled strings. I'm here because God told me to work here. And I watched him over the years promote and promote and promote and promote. And every time I tried to do it on my own, it caused problems and things would start to fall apart. And I would step back and say, okay, God, I'm waiting on you. And then a promotion would come through every time. One of these days maybe I'll go through the whole testimony of the hospital. It's a phenomenal testimony and it was a wonderful place where God placed me for a reason and a time and a season but there are times where we have to learn that the only light that's gonna be in this place is if I light my light so bright and I charge my battery so much that I'm bringing the lumens of God into this place because it needs the light of Jesus and I'm not gonna let anything else around here quench that light because I'm gonna shine because this world will try to take your light out or make you hide it. You can't be that way out here. You gotta, you gotta cover that up, right? As a corporate, as, as us together as a church, there's a corporate place of coming into rest, ministering to the Lord. In Acts 13 too, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separ unto me, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. And then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. That corporate, all of that whole body of Christ had to come together and minister to the Lord and fast. What does that fast means? Well, it doesn't mean that they just worshiped for about an hour, right? No, that means they skipped at least one meal because if they're fasting, you're skipping at least one meal. So they were there a while. They lingered in the presence of God. They ministered to God and said, we want to pray what you have for us to pray. We want to speak out the truths that you have us. What do you need us to pray? What can we do for you? They're ministering to the Lord, okay? And then they fasted. And in that environment, the Holy Spirit said, separate these Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. And then as, since they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them off in the power of God. In the environment of waiting on the Lord you'll get direction there's times when, when we're going to eventually here in the next few months we're going to have a worship night or a praise night here at the church or just a night of prayer a night of coming I'm just going to come wait on the Lord we're just going to sing to Him and we're just we have no agenda we're just here to minister to the Lord in those types of atmospheres in those types of places you'll get direction you'll get, the Lord will start telling you what to do do you know that there's an environment conducive to the Holy Spirit speaking to you Do you know that we don't just come in and do certain things in a certain way in a church service just because we think that's the way everybody else is doing it, so we should do it? Right? What's the word supposed to do to you? The word's supposed to change you. The word's supposed to correct you, right? There is the atmosphere between my mouth and your ears. How many times have you been in a place and you heard somebody talk and you leave that place and everybody's talking about what they heard and it's all different? Well, I heard this, well, I heard this, well, I heard this. See, what's happening is, as I'm saying things, the Holy Spirit is talking to you and applying it to your life to show you truths that you need to change in your life. That's that atmosphere between here and there. When the atmosphere is not correct, the word does not plant like it should. That's why there's, we start with praise. Two praise songs, a little upbeat, Right? Because even though Taylor Swift isn't a Christian, she did get one thing right. Sometimes you gotta shake it off, right? Come on, there's my Super Bowl quote for the day, right, isn't that today? Is the Super Bowl today? Okay, there are times where this world tries to fling their mud at you, right? Where it tries to cover you with the junk of this world. And that's what praise does. Praise comes in and says, I'm going to shake off the things of this world. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to get into praise. I'm just going to praise him. In the, I mean, it's just, it's just the shaking off process of just getting things out there, and I've just got to get rid of this, right? You've got to shake off worry and doubt. You've got to shake off concerns and problems. You've got to shake off all these things trying to take you out and distract you. You've got to shake it off, right? Because then you get into a place of worship. Why do we start our worship with our offering? Because that's an act of worship. We bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse. We bring this as an offering before God, and we continue our natural offering with our spiritual offering, and we enter into a place of worship, which is why usually the first song is kind of like, all right, I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to walk through a prayer of consecration, but by the time we get to the end of worship, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus. Because what are we doing as a corporate body? We're setting the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the word that's brought. But see, if we never set the atmosphere, we'll never get to where we need to go in the word. And you'll never hear it. Your life will never be changed and you'll still be struggling. See, there there is a way, there's an atmosphere that can be set for the Holy Spirit to begin to produce. And you know what the word does? The Word divides soul and spirit. The Word starts to separate things. It starts to change things. It starts to mend hearts. The Holy Spirit starts to work on people, which ultimately leads to the end. The piece that we're going to start adding in is the ministry time at the end because the Word has done its work. The Holy Spirit has done its convicting. Now people need to come back to God and say, I want to make this permanent. That's usually what altar ministry is. I need to get rid of this issue in my life. I need deliverance from this. I need healing from this. I need the prayer of agreement for this. I see now there's a problem in my life. I want to make it change. Will you agree with me? Because I don't feel like I'm strong enough on my own. I need prayer for this. That's what ministry time in the altar really is. A completion of a picture of the service from the whole day. And that's what's supposed to happen in a church service. That's what happened here when they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That's what happened here when they just got before God and said, we don't want to tell you what to do, we just want to sit and listen. You know, that's what I'm doing in worship when I'm just standing up here singing before the Lord, just saying, Father, tell me what to say today. Tell me what to speak today. Show me things to come. I had the whole scripture of Jehoshaphat in here having no idea why it was there. And as I'm reading through it, he's showing me. This is the picture. This is the picture. Notice I didn't tell them. Look what they did. This is how it applies. I was preparing my notes when he's showing me about the story of, of Daxel from back in the day. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll begin to speak to you and begin to show you things to come as you minister to him and say, Father, what do you want? What do you want? See, if we come to church every Sunday focused on what we want, but how many times have we heard that? Oh, the music was too loud. I didn't get that, preacher. You know? All we're doing is coming into the church, trying to take and be a consumer, and it's all about me. Instead of coming into the church saying, you're the one who died on the cross, You're the one that covered my sins. I'm here to minister to you. I'm here to worship you. Forget about me. My problems are nothing compared to the fact that you are so good. You are God and on the throne. And all of that pales in comparison to your glory. It pales in comparison to your grace. It pales in comparison to your love. That you love me so much. That's ministering to the Lord. But we do it for him. We do it for him. But you know what God sees? You know, For a long time, I had a really hard time buying presents for my wife. It became a whole thing at Christmas time where dad would just stress out. Mostly because in my head, I know I love my wife. I want her to know that I love her. But I also know, and I got up in my head, my wife is a gift giver. It's one of her love languages. She knows how to buy not the most expensive not the wildest, perfect gift that speaks to people, like the gift that says something. Like she's put a lot of thought behind this, she knows the person, she knows how to give a gift. And I always thought, to me it was just daunting. And then it became this thing of, well, I tried, and then I bring these half-hearted gifts to my wife and then I wonder why she's not just elated and over the moon that I went shopping. And for a long time, I've just prayed and said, God, I don't know why, why am I this way? Why is this such a struggle? I love my wife. How can I not show her love through gifts, right? It's not really one of my love languages is receiving gifts. You know, I like when people buy me stuff and that's, that's fine. I love gifts, you know, but it's not really a way that I see love too much. It's not one of my high love languages. But God said this. He said, people come and worship me. They come and sit in my church services and they come wondering what they can get from me. But he said, if you're not enjoying it, don't ensue my getting much out of it either. If you're not enjoying worship, God's not enjoying it either. If I'm not enjoying giving my wife gifts, she's not going to enjoy it. That's what worship really is, right? When I love my wife, And I talk about how beautiful she is and I just want to be in her presence. I want to put, I think about this a lot mostly because of our history and past but I want to just lay down and have the kind of couch, I told her this, I want the kind of couch where I can just lay down and put my head in your lap and take those nails that we pay money for (laughs) and have you just scratch my head. Just gets me every time. I I just want to stay laying in her lap looking up at how beautiful she is. Admiring the fact that I don't know why, but God gave me someone way out of my grasp, someone I didn't deserve, someone way better than me. And I'm just admiring who she is, talking about her beauty, having her stroke my hair with my head in her lap. And God reminded me, if you enjoy that, she enjoys that. If you enjoy your time of worship, when you get before God, I'll enjoy it too. But if worship is something that is a struggle, if worship is something where you're just like, oh. I got to get in the presence of God. Oh, I got to read my Bible. If you're not enjoying it, he's not enjoying it. Really? What is your worship to God? You ever tried to hug a teenager who didn't want to hug? Like this squirming, writhing, little whatever, you know? They're not enjoying it. You're not enjoying it. Nobody's enjoying anything, right? How many times do we go to God and we're that squirming person? Oh God, I really don't want to be here, but I have to spend my time in the Word this morning and I'm just going to read these two scriptures and just hope the rest of my day just somehow miraculously goes God. And God's sitting there going, well, I want to love you. I want to be in your presence, but this is awkward at best. Good. How do we view him? See, that's what worship does. Worship says, Father, I just, I just want to come into your throne room. I just want to take off all this junk and stuff and things. I just want to come sit in your lap. I want to put my head on your shoulder. I want to close my eyes and just know everything's going to be okay. And I just want to be in your presence where you are. I don't care about crowns. I don't care about money. I don't care about stuff. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care if I'm the most popular person in the world. I don't care if I become some famous social media star. I don't care about a claim from people. I just want to be in your presence. When you can figure out how to work that into your daily quiet time, your life will change. Your life will change. To where you figure out this is my dad, right? Couldn't tell you the number of times Tiff and I be laying in bed at night And out of nowhere comes a Daxel. Gets in bed, lies right between us. and Snuggles up in there and I'm going, and you just lay in there. And I thought, you know what? If he can be that comfortable and do that with me, I can be that comfortable and do it with God. God, I just want to just snuggle up. Just be in your presence. Just love you. And just know that everything's going to be okay. And that you are going to deliver us you're going to bless us, you're going to prosper us, you're going to bring the 50 people in, you already know which building we're supposed to go to next, you already know what the church is going to look like in 15 years, I don't have to worry about it, I don't have to stress about it, I don't have to think about it, you've got this, I just want to be in your presence. Do you know it's why God made us? God created Adam and Eve in the garden to walk with them, to fellowship with them, to just have a friend, to talk with him. That's what he wants us for. He wants us to, to be with him, to walk with him, to have that relationship with him. I encourage you guys this week, when you have your quiet times before the Lord, and if you've not had your quiet time, bring your quiet time back. We sit down and you're like, okay, God, I'm gonna read your word today because this is the love letter that you left for me. When Tiff and I were were dating. All right before we got married, she would come over to my house because I had internet and a computer. So she'd come over to do her homework. She was finishing up school at the time, and I'd run off to work. But every morning, I would get up super early and get ready to go to work, and I'd pack up my lunch, and I would take out this little notebook, and I would write a little, I just love you, and I just want to say I'm so excited we're getting married, and you're just the cutest thing ever, and I pray that you're having a really good day. And I would leave her these little notes on the keyboard of the computer so when she showed up at the house, I was off at work, she'd get to read these little notes. You know, every morning when i get up to be with God... I think God just left me a little love note. I'm just gonna read what God says for me today because he cared about me enough to to write me a letter in advance. He loves me enough to tell me how precious I am to him, right? I just wanna be in his presence. I wanna be there with him. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this picture, Father, of what it's like to be in your presence. Father, we want to be your hands and feet. We want to put you first and things of the spirit first Father, We come to minister to you first. We come to minister to you first. Not my will, but your will be done in this place, Father. Lord, we love you. We can't say it enough. Can't tell you enough how amazing and wonderful you are. We cannot sing your praises enough. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father, thank you that this atmosphere and spirit of worship begin to manifest in all the homes of the people here today, that they have times in their presence of, in your presence throughout this week, Father, that you begin to open their eyes to see, begin to show them things to come, show them you working on their behalf and that you've got this. You've got this. Let them enter into that place of rest and peace going throughout their day with joy in their heart, knowing that God is in control and he's got the solution to every problem and my life is in his hands. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Paul and I wanted to thank you personally for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do that will help us out. Hit the subscribe button and rate and review our podcasts. If you would like to invest in helping us reach more people for Christ, head over to livingwordpensacola.com and click on the online giving button. Thanks again for joining us today. Now go out and tell somebody about the love of Jesus.